we are finishing up our When We Pray series. Uh, everybody say, When We Pray. So our first week we talked about when you and I pray as individuals, the power that that has. And then last week we talked about when dads pray. And so many of you dads have approached me and just thanked me for that message. Uh, and, and literally, uh, many of you have told me, you know, I'm not comfortable praying out loud. Uh, I, I never saw that modeled in front of me. My dad never did that. Uh, many of us are even struggling to know how to be a, a good father and a, and a good husband. And so uh, I, I pray that that message help you understand the power, dads, when you and I pray, the power uh, from our position of authority in our families. And then today, as we, as we move into our third piece, um, this last piece is going to be um, literally when the church prays. But I want to do a quick preview. Next month is one of our most exciting months in this church. You'll put, the, put it up on the screen. And we're going to be in a four-part series for the month of July called Forever Fun. Forever Fun. And the reason why we're calling it that is because if you study the Scriptures... When God the Father established his relationship with a culture of people, as we know the Jews, the Israelis, he put into their yearly calendar that they were to have seven parties a year, seven festivals. They were to eat, they were to dance, they were to sing, and they were to remember all that God had done for them all throughout the years. So many times in church life, you're told that you're to be boring. It's supposed to be, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, very reserved and things like that. That's not what God did. God, when he established his people, Israel, he literally said, no, you will have seven festivals. And they rejoiced and they had fun. Everybody say fun, fun. forever. And so I want to raise up a congregation that knows how to have fun with Jesus. Isn't that good? I want you to have fun with your friends. Come on, somebody. And I want to be good Christian fun. I want you getting drunk and plastered everywhere and calling that fun like the world does. I want you to know real fun in God and enjoy that. And so we're going to do four weeks of teaching you about that. At the same time, coinciding with that, our small groups are going to be doing fun things together. If you're a small group leader, would you stand quickly across the room? Your small group leader, becoming a small group leader in, in challenge. Yeah, there you go. Look at all these amazing guys. Many of them are out serving, and thank you so much. If you're not in a small group, find one of these guys. Say, man, I like you. You look cool. Can I come to yours? Can I interact with you? And the first week of July, they're going to be doing, all of our small groups are going to be competing for the whole month of July, but the first week is going to be cake wars. They're going to be making cakes. They're going to be throwing cake at you. I don't care what they do. And then, and then what they're going to do is they're going to post it online. They're going to get friends and neighbors and families to participate with them. And then that next Sunday from Cake Wars, we're going to put the best videos up on the screen and say, show how they were doing. They're going to post it on Facebook. And then we're going to give a, an award, a first and second place prize for the uh, small group that had the most attendance, that had the best creativity with their Cake War, and then had the best post online. And so we're going to do that all the month of July. We're going to be forever fun. Life should be fun. Before I was a Christian, I had fun. Once I got saved, I continued to have fun because that's just how God made it. He said that I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and life more abundantly. Satan exists to kill, steal, and destroy is what the Bible says. And so if you're bored out of your mind, it's because you don't know that God's plan for you to have fun and joy in your life. We're going to teach you that in this church. It's going to be a great summer. July is going to be a great month. So as we close out this series, and we'll get ready for that next series next week, as we close out this one today, we're talking about when the church prays. There was a Christian lady who lived next door to an atheist. And every day when the lady would pray, the man would laugh at her from his window. He could hear her praying. 
In fact, it got so bad that he would stand out the yard and make fun of her. Where's your God at? Why isn't he answering your prayers? I don't see him. I can't hear him. Lady, you're crazy. But this little old lady just kept praying and praying and praying. And it got to the place where he would make fun of her and she'd pray even louder. And it got to the place where they would be back and forth in the yard. She'd be praying to God and he'd be making up things to laugh at her about. And one day he heard her praying from her window. Oh God, I don't have food for my children. Oh, God, would you please do a miracle and somehow give us enough food to make it through the week? Oh, the atheist thought, I got her now. Watch this. He ran to the grocery store. He bought $400 worth of groceries. He snuck up to her house. He put them by the front door. He knocked on the front door, and he hid behind the bushes. And all of a sudden, she comes out just like he thought she would, and she started saying, thank you, Jesus. You gave me a miracle. I knew you were there, God. Thank you for caring for your people. And the man, the atheist, jumps out, and he says, aha, I got you. There is no God. A God didn't give you those groceries. I went and bought those groceries. She's me, your neighbor. The lady starts throwing her hands up and down, and she starts going, thank you. And she takes off running down the street. Well, the atheist didn't know what to do, so he starts running after her. He says, what are you running for? She said, oh, I knew that God would provide for me. I just didn't know that he would make the devil pay for it. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Turn to the person next to you and say, when we pray. (laughs) So as we close out this series, when we pray, as a church, that's what I want to teach you, the power of that. Uh, you are a part of the body of Christ. Remember that a couple weeks ago, I was teaching you that every one of you are part of this body. The church is not this building. It's not this meeting. It's me and you. And so, and so when you don't get that, then you think you're coming to a service to hear a good message or have some good worship. And what you need to do is have a paradigm shift and understand, I am a part of these people, good, bad, or ugly. You know, you don't get to pick your parents. Come on, somebody. You don't get to pick your brothers and sisters, but you get to pick the church that you're a part of. You don't get to pick that that person has difficulties or not. But once you're connected in to the relational line that we call the body of Christ, this church called Church on the Hill, what happens is there is power when the church comes together. And I want to teach you today of the power that we possess when we pray corporately together in a unified fashion. At the same time, there's going to be a little different message today because we're going to close out the last 10, 15 minutes with one of the greatest opportunities in the history of this church, something we've been praying about for six years, and today is the miracle that we get to present to you. And it is a great, great moment for me as a senior pastor, and this has been a fulfillment of a dream. For six years, we've been waiting and waiting and couldn't break through, couldn't break through. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been believing God for something, just keep believing because it'll come to pass. You get to see that today. But let's go straight into the Word. Our key scripture today is Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and, I, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So that first, verse, uh, first part of that verse says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Now, this passage, is, that, that is actually talking about praying in other tongues. I pray in other tongues. I love when people in our church pray in other tongues. I believe that each of you will have a beautiful prayer language. You'll also note in our church, we don't force that on you. We don't make a big deal out of that. Oh, you don't pray in tongues, you're a half-rate Christian. We don't validate that more than we validate salvation and knowing Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And we also award the understanding that there's also folks who are filled with the Holy Spirit but haven't prayed out in their prayer language yet. And this passage is encouraging us that when we pray, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests, and it goes on, with this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. If you're a saint, say me. 
Okay, three or four of you. All right, so you don't get it. So let me help you. Some of you grew up in a religion or in a group of people who told you that saints were the Christians who were better than everybody else. That they were the ones who were brought to sainthood. And quite frankly, there's, that's nowhere in Scripture. What transpired is when the early church was in persecution and the Romans were killing Christians, what happened was those Christians who literally would not, this is how sainthood started, those Christians who would not bow their knee and, and, and went to the gallows that were killed for the cause of Christ, that would not reject Jesus, that what happened was there were others who did deny Christ so they would save their lives. Well, then once Constantine legalized Christianity and it became, the, the if you will, the, the world religion at that time, what, the, the church didn't know what to do with these guys that are now coming back and saying, you know, I repent, I shouldn't have denied Christ, and I'm here, and I'm sorry. Will God still accept me? Well, of course God will accept them. Uh, but what do we do with the ones that, that didn't deny Christ? And so what they did was they sainted them. They said that they were stronger, they were, they were better. And, and to some degree, they, we should honor them. But, but those, those saints... Those people that others have seen it do not stand between us and God the Father. There is only one advocate between us and the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we need no other person to stand between us and the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. So when the Bible here is talking about this in this passage of Ephesians and says praying for all the saints, it's not talking about those who were better than everybody else. It's talking about us who believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So let me try again. How many of you are saints in the room? Say me. Well, there you go. We're getting a little closer. One more time. If you're a saint, say yes. yes. Turn to your spouse and say, I told you I was a saint. I've been trying to tell you. You hadn't got it, but I'm glad you're getting it now. Come on, truth of the word. And look what it says. And it says, and praying for all the saints. When we, it's a command that we're being given to pray for the body of Christ, for the other believers. And sometimes you get so caught up in what you're going through, what your family is going through, that you forget that you're a part of a body. And that we're to pray for the body. When the body prays for the body, let me give you two things that I see in Scripture that really happens. First and foremost, miracles happen for church members when the church is praying for church members. And let me give you a passage of Scripture to prove that in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. We'll start there real quick. I love the book of Acts. I had the privilege of teaching it at a local Bible school. I've taught it for the last five, six years, and I love this book. I'm pretty studied on this book. I, I enjoy this book, and uh, I still have so much to learn. But it's literally the storyline of the New Testament church. Once the church was born, and then what transpired for the next 40 years or so. Phenomenal. We see, we see the life and teachings. Of, we see the life of Paul, and we see the miraculous things that are happening in the New Testament church. And so we'll pick up in chapter 12, verse 1, and this is where Peter and the church is still fresh and new. And it says, and it was about that t- this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, which is the, bro- the half-brothers of Jesus, put to death, with, like my one friend says, with the sword, or has it pronounced the sword. And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, let me explain to you what's happening. So Herod is kind of an in-between guy between the Jews and the Romans. And so the Jewish leaders do not agree with the church. They think that it is a cult, and they hate it, and they're against it. And so they're constantly going to Herod, who is their, if you will, their king, or their, their, their president in between them and the Romans. And they're constantly going and complaining. Those people aren't us. Look what they're doing. And so the Judaizers, uh, they're very frustrated with the church because miracles are happening. People 
people are turning uh, from Judaism to Christianity. It's this big conflict. And so to appease them, Herod takes one of the main leaders, James, and he kills him with a sword. And that excites all the Jewish leaders. Oh, yeah. And so then he starts going after all the leaders, Peter being one of the most significant leaders of the early church. And he takes him and he puts him in prison. And as you keep reading with me, I think we're down in verse 4. After arresting him... He put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's a lot of folks intending to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So he puts him in jail. He's got all these guys uh, literally guarding him, four squads of four each. And it says, and so Peter was kept, verse 5, in prison. But read it with me. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was praying for him. For him, if you'll keep reading, I'll just explain it. If you'll keep reading, he's then in prison. It's in the middle of the night. He's chained between two guards. He's got guards all around. He's down in the inner workings of a prison. They don't have electricity. Come on, stay with me. They're down in a cave, down in, in the muck, in the mire. And all the sewer is running down underground into this prison area as they just throw it out on the streets. It's just dri- all through this prison area. Most of the time, those prisoners would die of different diseases uh, incurred from being in such a terrible environment with all the, all the mess down there and all the waste. And, and you, Anyway, you get the picture. And so Peter's chained in between them. And in the middle of the night, an angel shows up in his cell. And the Bible says, with a great light. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but if someone turns the light on when I'm sleeping, it wakes me up. I just wake up. Now, now you know, your kids probably don't do that. When you were a kid, you know, you, you may not do that. But now, man, if a light comes on, the, the light comes on, and Peter doesn't wake up, and neither do the angels. Now, and Peter, literally, he's... Now, I don't know about you, but what kind of faith and confidence in the Lord does it take to where you are sleeping so sound in prison knowing that the next day they're going to be judging you and your head's going to be cut off just like James and you don't even care. You're at peace with the Lord. Come on. No matter what you're going through, if God's with you, then who can be against you? No matter where you're at, no matter what you're chained to, I hate my job. Bless God. I hate this situation. Listen, no matter what you're tied to, that's a whole other sermon. Anyway, no matter what you're tied to, if you're in God's presence, if you're with God, if you're with the Lord Jesus Christ on your side and you're on his side, he will make a way. There seems to be no way. And all of a sudden, the angel didn't wake him up with the light, so the Bible says he pokes Peter and wakes him up. And he pokes him, and as soon as he pokes him, the chains fall off of him. Now, these dudes are so asleep that they're not, they, they didn't get woke up by the, awakened by the light nor by the chains falling off uh, attached to Peter. He steps, uh, He gets up, and literally the angel has to tell him to put on his sandals. Come on, you ever work, uh, uh, awaken uh, one of your children, you know, early in the morning, you know, like first week back to school? And you're like, come on, put on your clothes. And they're like, okay. And they put on their clothes. And, and he's got, we're not talking about the little sandals like we do today. We, we're talking about the kind they strap on. Come on, some of you women wear them. They got leather all over the place going on. And he's got to put on his sandals, you know. And he's trying, what, what's going on? What are we doing? Come on, son, I'm getting you out of here. And all of a sudden, guards don't even know they're passing by them. I don't know if they're blinded to it. I don't know. I mean, in my mind, I'm a Star Trek fan, so I think somehow they're just being translated past them, and they don't even see them walking, you know. They're like invisible, cloaked or something, Romulan style. Anyway, and so they get right past all of them, and they get to the last gate, and the Bible says, and the gate to the prison opened. Nobody touched it. It just opened. I don't care what prison you're in. If you'll follow the ways of God, he'll open any door that you have been locked behind. Come on, somebody. Whether it be addiction, whether it be frustration, whether it be sickness, whether it be bitterness, if you'll follow Jesus, he'll open the doors of your prisons. Come on, somebody. That's a whole nother man. Anyway, so he walks out in the street, and all of a sudden, he's out in the street, and poof, the angel is gone. Why did all this happen? Because the church 
was earnestly praying for Peter. When we pray as the church, not as, Lord, I just pray for my son. There's something powerful about that because I'm a dad. I pray for my family. There's something powerful about that because I, I, I'm the head of my home. There's something powerful about us praying together. But you want to talk about taking it to another level? When the church begins to pray for you and your needs, and you've got now hundreds, thousands, millions of prayers going up before the Father on your behalf, angels start making, they start showing up on the scene. Come on, somebody. you got to get the church praying for you, but you can't get them praying for you if you're not a part of them. Come on, that's a whole other message anyway. And so all of a sudden, let's pick back up right there. In verse 12, it says, And when this had dawned on him, see, he thought he was still in a vision or a dream. He didn't realize it was really happening. When it dawned on him, this is real. It says this, picking back up. It says, it says, when it dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were what? Say it out, say it out loud. Praying. Say it again. They were what? Praying. The church was praying. If you keep reading, the funniest thing happens. He knocks on the door, and one of the little assistant girls comes to the window, and she's like, oh, my God, it's Peter. And she goes running back inside. And she goes in that, she leaves him at the street, man. And look, he's most wanted. He's standing out on the street in the middle of the night. Like, you know, if you're standing out on the street, come on, you know, if you're driving and late at night down in a little small town, you, we watching you. Because you're supposed to be in bed like everybody else. What you doing? And so he's on the street, man. So he's like, man, they're going to get me, they're going to get me. And the little girl goes running inside. She leaves him at the door. Hey, Peter's outside. And they don't even believe it. You know, sometimes we get to praying for things and don't even believe that God's really going to do it. And she says, I'm telling you, he's at the door. Like, nah, you crazy. It must be his spirit. You must saw a vision. Like, no, the dude is at the door. Because what happens sometimes in our carnal way of thinking is that the physical cannot be adjusted by the spiritual, and you're wrong. When we pray in the spirit, it affects things in the natural or in the physical realm. And a miracle happened for that man right then and there. Here's the second thing that happens. Are you with me? Say yes. When you and I pray as the church bodies, we come together in agreement. What happens is walls of protection are built around that body, around that church, around that group of people. And uh, I love that passage in Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. Quoting it out of the NIV. Excuse me, out of New Living. It says, O Jerusalem. I have posted watchmen on your walls. Come on, somebody. We need some walls around this church to keep the devil out and keep our families safe. Come on now. I have posted, and we need some watchmen up on the wall praying. Praying for this church. Praying for the body of believers. We need some folks to get up on that wall and say, I'll stand. I'll stand from, from, from uh, 1215 to, to, to 1245. I'll stand and watch the enemy and push him back and, and be on the wall watching and praying against it. And it says, I put watchmen posted on your walls. They will pray Day and night, continually. In other words, they're rotating them in. Watch out. But look how the Lord takes a physical, practical experience of the wall. That wall, and you got to understand, in Bible times, this is especially the Old Testament times, you've got these little groupings of people that have gathered, and they are unprotected unless they could build a wall by anybody coming in the night. Because all they have to do is knock, go knock on the door, go uh, crash into the house or the little houses on the outskirt. So what they would do is they would build walls around them and then they would post guards on top of those walls all throughout the night and through the day. And especially in the night because that's when raiders would love to come is in the night when you're sleeping, when you're off guard. And they would come in and they would literally rape and pillage. And so they would build walls around them. And so God is using a practical experience to talk about a spiritual uh, experience that you and I can have that he will post guards 
watchmen on the walls. And what will they do? They will what? Pray. Everybody say it. They will do what? They will pray. When you and I come together and we tag team our positions in, I'm on the wall right now, you get it in an hour. I'm on the wall, you get it in 30 minutes. I'm, I'm watching right now. I'm praying on behalf of this church. What it does is it literally creates walls of protection. We're protected under the eyes and the watchful prayer of the saints, praying for the saints. Come on, somebody. And not only do miracles happen, but it brings protection. And it says here, and it says, and they will pray to the Lord. And verse 7 says, give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. When we have folks praying day in and day out for this church, moment by moment, there are moments that literally we're praying for this whole body. What happens is it literally, it says, and they will give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. Lord, come on, God, you got to heal that. God. You got to hear brother so-and-so. God, you got to bring a breakthrough on this financial thing for our church. God, you got to do something for that family, Lord God. And what happens is that bombardment, bombardment, he can't rest. Literally, the Lord has to accomplish it on our behalf because the church the church body is bombarding. I want to be a part of that. I want, to be, I want to know that if I get cancer that you're praying for me, not just one or two of you who like me, but the church is standing on the wall around my, around, I'm in that family unit and all of our homes are in that wall and I want to know that everyone's watching out for my family because I'm weak right now and I know that's where the enemy likes to strike is when I'm weak. Come on, are you with me? Say yes. And so we want to start building that wall. I'd like at some point to have someone praying this church, what, and I'm not talking about the building, I'm not talking about the meeting, I'm talking about us. I'd like to have it at some point, it may take us three years, it may take us ten years, but I'd like to be a big enough church where someone is praying at some point and all 24 hours of the day, seven days a week are covered. And I believe that we can protect our families a little bit better. I believe that we can have a little bit more breakthroughs in some of the things. And, and so we have been working on this for years now. And I want you to understand when we pray as a unified body of Christ, when we take up each other's cares and needs and we pray for them, it's like, it's like linking our shields together and the enemy can't get to us. I thought I would try to explain it, and then I remembered that the Gladiator movie had a great example of this, so you could see a mental picture. I, 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 I've been wait, I waited for, you know, Gladiator's rated our movie, so I didn't see it in the movie theaters, but when they put it on TV, edited, I think I watched it 10 times. It was amazing. And so I want to show you a little clip of what I'm talking about when we unify as the body instead of you thinking you're a great warrior and you thinking you're a great warrior and we just got our family, we don't need anybody else. When we come together as one unified unit, we literally can destroy the works of the enemy that are trying to destroy us. Let's play that clip for them for just a moment so they can see what I'm talking about. Come on, I don't know about you, but I'd like to flip some devils over every now and then. Come on, be a part of something that actually works. Sometimes I feel like those guys, man, that the devils are swarming around me trying to destroy me. So we tried to figure out years ago, so how do we, we've got our small groups and we pray for one another and we protect each other. How do we as a corporate church, how do we as the whole body of believers, how do we come together in prayer? So years ago we started, uh, you know, saying, well, let's have a prayer meeting. So we got Sunday services, we got small group life. And then we're going to have prayer meetings, and we want everybody to come to them because we need to pray. Everybody agrees we need to pray together, but the problem is the logistics of that. So we rented, uh, at the time we didn't have a building, so we rented, literally we rented, the Methodist church had a small uh, Ancient of Days uh, sanctuary, I called it. It was like a 150-year-old little uh, uh, beautiful sanctuary. Beautiful. So we, uh, we said, all right, 6 o'clock in the morning, we're going to pray. It was awesome. And the first week, 20 people showed up every day, 6 a.m. before we went to work, and everybody agreed, yeah, let's do it then. The second week... 20 people turned to 10 people. Yeah, you know, I just got so much going, Pastor. It's just so hard to come to prayer. I was like, y'all, it was y'all's idea. 
Third week, you know, we're down about five, about a month or two into it. It's me and Josiah. I'm like, bro, I can pray with you over the phone. We don't have to rent out a building and turn on the air condition and get all prepared. We got to come up with a better plan on how can we corporately pray together without creating more meetings. Come on, somebody, that we all got to go sit in and fulfill. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, I'm speaking truth now. I, I don't think God is ever limited to old methods as long as the message remains the same, I think we all agree that we should pray as a church. I think we pray when we come together on Sundays. I, I, I know that we pray in our small groups. I, we're, we're praying a lot. I know you pray as an individual. But how can we not only come together as a church and pray, but how can we also be more consistent in prayer? There's not a person in this room that says, Pastor, I just want to admit I pray too much. I wish I didn't. But I'm so close to God. I have a hard time sitting amongst all these other people because they're just below me. I'm like, me and God, like, he's talking to me now, Pastor. I can't even hear you. I, I think we all would admit that we'd like to have a little better interaction with the living God. Wouldn't you say that? Say yes, all right? The rest of you lying, you lying devils. And so what we wanted to do was find a way, and a few years ago, God spoke to us on how to do it by creating a prayer app, a virtual environment, to where we could literally, instead of going to a prayer meeting, we can bring the prayer meeting to wherever we're at, whatever we're doing. So that 30 minutes drive to work goes from a listening to Fox News and being mad about what's going wrong with the world or, you know, listening to, you know, whatever, you know, whatever is your groove music to turning into, man, here's the time with the Lord. And I literally can not only have personal experience with the Lord, but and also be a part of praying with the body of believers for the needs of this church that I'm a part of. And then we could turn, we could turn nap time into, hey, you can take 30 minutes in, during nap time while you get the kids down and literally interact with the church as, as a whole without going and being face-to-face with the church as a whole. And so, six years in the making, and today, the first time in six years, the dream has come true, and we want to introduce to you our prep. Darren and Michelle, would you come up here with me and help me? Come on, get up for Darren and Michelle as they come and sit with me. And we talk about the prayer app that the Lord's given us. So proud of these guys. These are our tech directors, and uh, they're an amazing couple, and they've been with me now for about almost 10 years, it seems like. And uh, when I presented Darren with this a few years ago, he was like, Pastor, we can do it. And every year, it was like, we're going to get it done? Well, I don't know. We got this problem, this problem, this problem. And so we just couldn't get it done. And about, about three months ago, the Lord started pushing it on my heart again. When are you going to get this done? This has to happen for the church. Now is the time. And so I approached Darren, and he said, you know, it's amazing that you say that. My wife and I started sitting down together, and my wife has gotten involved, and I think we're going to get that prayer app done. Listen, brothers, you want to get something done, get, get mama on the scene. So mama has joined in, and uh, what we couldn't do for five years, uh, they now have accomplished in eight weeks with having mama on the scene. So anyway, come on. I thought I'd just take a second and interview them a little bit because they've been working so hard with this prayer app to bring our church to a place of, where we can have a virtual prayers place where we literally can have um, the things that this church body, is, it's important to them that we can interact with them. And I just thought I'd start with you, Michelle. And Michelle, what do you think is the significance for you personally? What do you think are the ramifications of having this prayer app and then also how it can help us as a, as a general congregation? Well, as you've always said, the the church is not a building. It's not about where you're at. Right. You are the church, right. wherever you are at. And so say it I one more time. I want them to hear it. You again. are the church, yes. wherever you are at. No, say the part about I always say. No, I'm oh. just kidding. <laughs> 
Um, so just being able to virtually connect with the body and not have to get up and get dressed and do your hair and your makeup, but not to drive somewhere, just to, to be able to, to log in on your phone and automatically connect and just, just know that you're joining in in prayer with everybody else in the congregation. Yeah. And That's, somebody else is praying over at their house yeah, somewhere exactly. or at their job. Yeah, yes. powerful. Wow. Yeah. Darren, tell about the significance that you see that, uh, that this prayer app will do for us as a body and why, why you were so passionate about putting it together. Yeah, so for me, it, it became an issue of accountability. That was really the biggest thing that, I guess, lunged me forward with this app. Um, and so it's, it's the biggest thing. So for me, you know, working from home with my own business, it's so easy to hit that snooze button and not get up and actually work an 8 to 5 schedule. It's just so easy to kind of push work back, push work back. But then I'm so busy trying to focus on work throughout the day that I lose sight of my of my prayer time and I, I don't become accountable to the time that I said, hey, God, I'm going to spend X amount of time with you. Um, and I'm not going to be, I'm just telling you now, I'm not the policeman of do you pray enough. That's stupid. I didn't sign up for that. I'm doing my best to help you guys grow in God, but I'm not even a great prayer person. I need to pray and be more consistent with my relationship with the Lord. And so I just think that's miserable to go to church and go, you didn't come to our prayer meeting, brother. Where have you been? I'm not doing that. You don't want that, right? And so there's got to be a better way. And I thought when, when we got to praying and talking about how could we do this and this, this I mean, literally it was like a drop down from heaven that we could do an app and the app itself would schedule us and we could work with that and literally give us push notifications. Hey, you said you wanted to pray in 30 minutes is your prayer shift to kind of your moment on the wall protecting your, your time. And, uh, and to your point, it literally will bring us accountability within ourselves and kind of that little nudge. And I think also, to your point, um, not creating prayer meetings that we somehow got to take 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get dressed for, get ready for. Come on, somebody. Then drive 15, 20 minutes up to the church, have a time of prayer with the body of believers, and then stand around talking for 15, 20 minutes, and then drive home 15, 20, 30. So you're two and a half hours to have a prayer meet, to pray, which is just... We don't have that kind of free time. Are you with me? Say yes. So we saw this as literally the answer to us being more involved in interacting with our Savior through prayer as well as creating a wall of protection. So put those two purposes. Here's our two purposes for this prayer app. And this is all we're trying to accomplish with not only today's message, but also that the next involvement of this church as we grow. Number one, we want the prayer app. Uh, we believe it will bring some order to our personal prayer lives. Um, You know, I think you get push notifications reminding you that you have an appointment. I think if you could learn that you can do the same thing with prayer. Um, I pray all throughout the day. I interact with the Lord all day long. But most of my interaction is like, oh, God, I need you right now. I'm about to move in this. Lord, I just pray this person's going through this. I just heard this, God. And that's more of my, or I'll just, Lord, I enjoy you, like we talked about a few weeks ago, worshiping. But the reason why we need a set time of prayer with the Lord it's the same reason we need date night. You know, when they first started talking about date night, I'm like, date night? That's stupid. My wife's like, we need date night. I was like, oh, date night's a great idea. <laughs> I didn't understand. I was like, well, dude, we talk all day long. She goes, no, I want to talk to you face to face. I want no distractions. I want us to have our moment. I'm like, okay. Uh, well, let's do that. And, um, and that's literally what setting a prayer shift or a prayer moment is. Yeah, you talk to God all throughout the day. But do you ever have the moment where you just pause everything? And you say, all right, let's you and I interact. And then not only that, but to have some coaching through this prayer app. In this prayer app, I'm going to give you coaching lessons on how to pray. I get told all the time, I'm just uncomfortable. I don't know what to say to God. 
I'm getting, I, I, if you, you'll look at the prayer app today, I give you a quick coaching lesson on how to interact with the Lord and have that relationship start developing. Also, you're going to be getting push notifications about, hey, we're praying for this right now. Don't forget this family's going through this. We're going to be, I'm going to be giving you teaching pieces through the app. You'll also be able to write out prayer requests. We'll look at that here in just a second. But the number one reason for this prayer app purpose is to bring some order to our prayer lives personally. Number two is to build that wall to cover this church. I believe this church, i.e. you, are going to change the world. I believe Cedar Hill, we're going to make it hard to go to hell from Cedar Hill, Duncanville, DeSoto, Arlington, Mansfield, Middle Othian, you know, Grand Prairie, wherever you live at, we're going to have, we're going to have small groups that turn into to congregations of churches, and we're going to put them all over the Metroplex. And if we try to do that outside of being a unified group of people praying together, we're going to have a mess on our hands because there's swarms of enemies. You saw it like on the screen illustrated, trying to kill you and your family and trying to kill us. And we need to come together and unify. So that's our two purposes. Michelle, I want you to take a moment. I want you to just kind of walk us. Can we do some practical pieces for the next couple of minutes? I want you to show us. Now, did you get your little card that shows you how to have the app? Unfortunately, we're just in a place right now where we can only do iPhones. So I'm sorry for you Android users and whatever else there is. Um, you say, well, I don't even have a smartphone. I don't, there's nothing smart about me having a phone conversation. And I don't need all that stupidity. I, uh, well taken way you can be a part of it is just know that we're praying on a daily basis. Pick a time. Put it in your written calendar, if that's what you do. And you can just begin to uh, kind of commit to that time frame and just on a weekly basis, let us, you know, just let us know, hey, I, I pray in that time. I'm not in your app, appy thingy because I don't know how to do that. Um, but I am praying and I am a part of this. And would you just every now and then from the pulpit tell us what we're praying for. And then this card today will help you start downloading the app and getting it in. Michelle, take us through the app. Tell us the features and how to get to it. Okay, so first thing you're going to want to do, like Pastor Adam said, it is iPhone only. So you're going to want to open your app store on your iPhone and type in theprayerapp.com. And that's all one word, no spaces. And it'll be the first and only one that comes up. Um, so from there, you're going to uh, create your account. So you want to tap create account. And pause there. If you're doing it right now, uh, you may shut down our Wi-Fi. First service, so many people are trying to do it at that moment. Just like, uh, because uh, our tithes and offerings aren't at a place now where we can do million-dollar uh, Wi-Fi to this place. Just throw that out there. And so you may want to do it at home if it doesn't work here at this moment. Go ahead. Okay, so then um, the next really important piece is the, uh, the church code. So after you tap create account, the church code will be next. And that is Koth Praise. It's on the flyer, and you should see it on the screen here too in a yeah, minute. Yeah, point number two. Yeah, point number two. Under your card. Yeah, so Koth Praise, all one word, no spaces. Um, and then you want to make sure that you use the same email address that you receive Church on the Hill emails from. Yeah, let me explain that. So if you um, signed your kids into the, into the kids' ministry, we ask you for an email address so that we can have communication to you about things that are happening in the kids' ministry. If you use some rogue email address that you don't use, that's now what's in our database, in our membership database. Or if you don't get emails from us because you never fill that in, you won't have an account already set up. So what this app does is it automatically connects you the moment you start signing up. It recognizes you as a member if you'll use that email address. Otherwise, you have to set up as, I am a member, and tell them how they do that so they just would come up with another email address. Yeah, so if you use a different email address, um, your account will be pending until an admin approves you. So it's possible. You can also use the Facebook feature. Um, some of you guys, I'm sure, have your Facebook email as like the email address you use for everything. So that would be... 
that could already be yep. um, automatically approved. Um, so after you do your email address, you're going to go into uh, your first name, last name, and your password. So that's pretty straightforward and simple. You do that for everything. Um, you're going to get a verification email, just verifying that you that you uh, own the pass or own the email address. So you just want to tap that verification link in the email. Um, then you will also uh, get a. Uh, an alert on your phone when you open the prayer app uh, for notifications. Notifications are how we uh, we give you the push notification saying, "Hey, it's you're going to be praying in 30 minutes. Hey, it's your time to pray." Um, just as your reminder to to get into the app and to to start your prayer time, so that you can pause whatever. Or you're Pastor doing. Adam posted a new video that yes, you need to see. Yes, or Pastor Adam posted a prayer new focus. video. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then you're going to have the dashboard, which is uh, it's the heart and the home of the app. It's, it's where you'll be able to access anything and everything that you need in the app is at the dashboard. So you have, um, you have your Spotify, which is only premium users right now. Uh, that's Spotify's restriction, but we are hoping that they open it up to non-paid users in the future. Um, and so, so if you are like me, when I pray, I, I need to have worship music going. Um, come on, you guys that are married, you, get, you know about mood music. Come on now. And so uh, all the single people are like, what? <laughs> Whatever. You watch TV. I don't even want to hear it. And so, and so now I, get my, I get my worship music on, then I'm ready, then I'm ready to pray. And, uh, and so what we did was we partnered with Spotify. Uh, you might use iTunes, but Spotify works right within the app, and you can just immediately open up Spotify. We have a preset prayer worship list that we're providing for you, but in the days ahead, you'll be able to add your own worship list of the songs made up that you are comfortable with and that you enjoy. And then if you want to, you can go up, open your iTunes, have it playing in your phone, and then go back to um, our, our prayer app and be able to work it while it's praying. Uh, while it's playing, you can pray, but we have Spotify in the app itself. All right? Yes, yeah. Um, then the next piece that I want to talk about is probably the most exciting piece of the app, and it is the prayer focus. It's where Pastor Adam and the leadership team will post updates um, so that you know what the focus of Church on the Hill is, what our prayer focus is going to be for the week, for the month, whatever it is. Um, you'll be in touch with our focus. Um, there's also my prayer list, which is, uh, it's like a personal notes section for you guys. So you can type your own notes. And I use this so much because, uh, you know, you get into praying and you're like, oh, yes, where's that scrap piece of paper that I wrote my prayer list on? No, it's right here in the app for you. Um, then you also have Facebook, which it's just a really simple feature. You can be like, hey, checking in for my prayer time and just post it to Facebook. That's completely optional. You don't have to do that. You don't even have to use the Facebook feature at all. Um, and then adding the prayer watch. This is another key piece. So you're going to tap on the calendar, and then uh, you're going to scroll through the dates and the time, and you're going to set the duration, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's an hour, uh, whatever you guys have in time. And, that's and let me just say this. Pay attention to a.m. p.m. <laughs> yes. Because I scheduled important. myself the other day at 3 to pray, and at a.m., 3 a.m. the other morning, it's like, ding, it's your time to pray. I'm like, no, it ain't. That's the devil. <laughs> Ain't my time to pray. Like, why are you going off? <laughs> so yes, a.m. and p.m. is very important. Um, so say, you know, you have an emergency come up and you aren't in the place where you can step aside where you had set your schedule to pray and you, you need to change that time. What you can do is you can swipe to the left under my prayer schedule 
and you can delete it and then you can go reschedule it. That way, you know, we all have those situations where something comes up in your day-to-day -day life where you are not in a place where you thought you were going to be to, you know, step aside and pray and, and have that moment. And so this way you can, um, you can edit and change what you need to. You know what I love about this whole concept is that um, prayer meetings are coming to us in our schedule instead of us kind of change our schedules to go somehow pray. Isn't that good? This is God, man. This is God's way for us that we would all pray. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent today. I heard you, Lord, yes. But we are so grateful that you're a part of our body of believers. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I want you just here and now before the presence of the Lord and as the congregation, I want you first off to recognize a couple of truths. Number one, you're part of our body. You are the church. You are. You're part of us. You say, I don't feel that way sometimes, or I feel a little weak. I don't know if I'm helping in any kind of way. Listen to me, friend. We all have seasons of our lives where we're stronger and weaker. We all have times where we feel more connected and less connected. That's what you call life. But we're still a part of each other. You're here. I'm here. We're loving God to the best of our ability. We're still growing in those relationships. Now, as you keep your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to ask um, I'd like to just ask, is there anyone in this room who this is striking their heart and they recognize that, yeah, I'm in this church and, I, and it's time for me to be a little bit more organized with my times of prayer with the Lord and I'm willing to stand on the wall maybe 30 minutes a week as you drive to work, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe once or twice a week, maybe every day. But you say, you know, Pastor, I, don't, I have to go look at my schedule and I can really commit to... Uh, to uh, a, an orderly time, uh, I want to, I, I though, say that I'm in the vision, and I want to I help cover this church. I want to have personal prayer times with the Lord, and I'm willing to connect with this thing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you sense the Lord on that, and you're with us in this, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm with you. I, I, I'm going to be a part of praying and being consistent and doing myself to organize and schedule myself. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. Thank you for that. Father, I just pray that, um, that you would help us be a church that prays. Lord, that you would help us become people who seek your face and know you. That, Lord, we wouldn't, um, that we wouldn't leave families in this church uncovered. Lord, we didn't want to create more meetings that burn us all out. We needed a solution, and you gave it to us, and we're grateful for it. And, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that from this point forward, men and women of Church on the Hill, they're going to have beautiful encounters with you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, on their lunch break. Lord God, they're just going to say, man, God's been speaking to me. You know, I did that once a month thing. I'm, uh, once a week, I'm just praying on my lunch shift. I go in the back room and log into that app. And man, before I know it, God's just there. It's amazing. But I just pray, thank you, Lord, in the next couple of months, we're going to get testimonies of breakthroughs that have been lingering for years. But because we've organized ourselves to pray consistently and interact with you the way we've always wanted to, that, Lord God, that that will bring the freedom that we've desired and wanted. Now, if you'll keep your head bowed and your eye closed today, if you're away from the Lord, I got good news for you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. If you say, Pastor, I, I'll be honest with you, I've never been a Christian. It's been a little awkward even being here today. Friend, I got good news for you. There's a Savior who gave his life up for yours so that forever and ever you can live in eternity with your Creator. You've heard hell talked about. Well, the Bible's clear that hell was not created for us as humans. It was created for Satan and all the demons who rejected God. 
But then what happened some 6,000 years ago plus, Adam and Eve, our great, 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 great grandmother and grandfather, rebelled against God. Sin entered their life and then destined all of humanity to hell. Oh, but the Creator loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And He bridged the gap that sin caused between us and God. And now all we have to do is accept the work that He did on the cross. You say, well, what do I do to become a Christian? I have to give money to the church? Do I have to to say 25 Hail Marys? Nope. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll make you Him. Excuse me, He will make you His. He will come, send His Holy Spirit to live and abide in you. Today, if you don't have that, you're not with God. You're not in relationship with the living God. Even if you've attended church many times, but you don't have a best friend personal relationship, I want to introduce you to Him. With no one looking around, if you say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be right with the Lord. With no one looking, would you be courageous enough and just throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to be right with the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand quickly. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? If I see you. You can put it back down. God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I don't want to leave this place like that. I want to be right with the Lord our God. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, just a prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you responded to the Lord. And the Lord's going to completely forgive you and make things right between you and Him. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray blessing over every man and woman in this room. And, Lord, as I lead them in a prayer of repentance, that they would mean it with all of their hearts. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I ask you here and now to forgive me. I recognize I'm a sinner. But today, I fall on grace. And I ask you now to have mercy over me. Cleanse me and make me whole. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive your forgiveness. And I belong to you. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Lord, seal this prayer. Let them know they're yours. Let peace and joy overtake them now. Let them know they're right with you. They don't have to perform. They're right with you because they asked. In Jesus' name.